Hey, one more thing before you go. What do you do when you find yourself in a severe depression and bounded by thoughts of suicide? How do you take yourself to the mental level of rock bottom to recognizing and taking those steps to crawl out of that pit of despair? Stay tuned. We're going to have a conversation with a man that through his podcasting and speaking made it his life's purpose to make a positive impact on as many people as possible. And he's going to share those secrets with you. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. This is One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Kevin Palmieri. He is the CFO, founder, and co-host of Next Level University. It's a global top 100 self-improvement podcast with more than 1,000 episodes. It's really good. You got to listen to it. He reaches over half a million people in more than 125 countries. Some people find rock bottom. And as Kevin says, he found out that rock bottom had a basement. We're also going to follow his journey from that realization of depression and suicidal ideation to my multi-six-figure income business, how he was determined to overcome his anxiety, depression, and to finally live the life he always dreamed of. You're going to learn how he changed himself and now uses that experience to help others change. Kevin believes in heart-driven, no BS approach to holistic self-improvement. I'm loving that. I'm looking forward to this conversation. And welcome to the show. Michael, thank you so much for having me. We had a wonderful conversation behind the scenes, so I'm excited to see where it goes in front of the scenes today. Well, I think I think that you have had an amazing, well, you still are in that journey. You are on an amazing journey of life. You really came from a point in your life where you had everything, and then you didn't, kind of. And then you turn it into something very positive that you share with other people in such a magnificent way that everybody that touches it can move their life forward in a very positive way. And that's a brilliant way of finding I appreciate new, those words very much. Yeah, new purpose is a good thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. It's everything. It's everything. And, you know, we were talking about earlier before we started, like I said, behind the scenes, uh, you and I both had to find new purpose, kind of reinvent our purpose. And uh, uh, we've done it through uh, uh, this wonderful digital media aspect of uh, the universe. It's uh, it's it's very interesting. I don't know what I would have done 20, 30, 40 years ago if I was in that position because mm. I'm very blessed that I get to do this for a living now. And at one point, that was just a, a goal, a dream for me. It, it's interesting, Michael. I think you hear a lot of people talk about having midlife crises. And I had a, I call it a quarter life crisis. For me, it happened when I was 26, which I'm very grateful happened so early for me because it gave me so many opportunities to, to realign and make changes. But I was 26 years old, in my mid 20s, and by all outside standards, I was living the dream. I had a beautiful girlfriend. My girlfriend was a model. I had a high paying job. I had a new sports car. I had just done a bodybuilding show, so I was quite literally in the best shape of my life. I had just moved to a new apartment, but I was not very happy. I was not very fulfilled. I was very insecure. I was depressed. I was anxious to the point where my girlfriend came to me one day and said, hey, this relationship is no longer serving me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave. And I remember that was my initial rock bottom. That was, what do I do? Can I be, am I going to be able to be loved? Who's going to love this version of Kevin? And I, 
I think one of the things that I did early on was I started asking why. Why do I feel this way? Why am I having these feelings? Why did my last relationship not succeed? The problem is I assumed that money, quote unquote, more success would fix my problem. So I was in an industry called weatherization. So I would go into buildings, uh, schools, anything state-owned really. Schools, fire stations, police stations, town halls, and we would make those buildings more energy efficient. And I got a promotion the next year. I got a promotion to a foreman. So my girlfriend left me. I said, I'm going to make as much money as humanly possible. That next year, I get a promotion. Cool. We're, we're in alignment here. And being a foreman at my company meant you start every job, you open the job, and you close the job. So if you fast forward to the end of that year, I had been on the road for 10 months out of the 12 months because most of our contracts were in other states. So while I lived in New Jersey, I did most of my work, or sorry, I lived in New Hampshire. I did most of my work in New Jersey, which was like a six hour commute. I also worked in Virginia, which was like 14 hours, Pennsylvania. I worked all over the place, but that was in alignment because I wanted to make as much money as humanly possible because I assumed more money, less problems. So we get to the end of that year, I have my final pay stub in my hand and I open it up and I said, did I do it? Did I make $100,000? at 26 with no college degree, and I did. But I very quickly realized that I just traded a year of my life for a large sum of money, but that large sum of money is not fixing any of my internal voids. Nothing externally is fixing how I feel inside. I feel like I'm living my life unconsciously. What's the opposite of unconscious? Hyperconscious. So I started a podcast called The Hyperconscious Podcast. Very similar to where most people start, just a passion project. I want to have deep conversations with deep humans, much like we're going to have today. So this is my favorite thing in the world. But I stopped caring about my job and I started caring about this podcast because I realized I, I hit the light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't what I want. I can't do another year on the road. I can't do that. I don't want to do that. So I start calling out of work. I start leaving job sites early. I start showing up late. And it got to the point where I would have to be on a job site Monday morning, 7 a.m. I would sleep in my bed on Sunday night from like 9 p.m. until midnight. I'd get up. I'd drive six hours straight to the job site. I'd work an eight-hour day. And then I would go to the gym after. And on Friday, it was the opposite of that. So I was just staying up all hours of the night, not getting enough sleep, not taking care of myself. And it got to the point where I was in a hotel room in New Jersey and my alarm clock went off at probably 5.15 in the morning, sat up, slid to the edge of the bed, I'm lacing up my work boots, I've done this a thousand times, and the best way to explain it is there's 10 televisions on in my head, and every single one is on a different station. One saying, you're stuck here forever. You're never gonna make this kind of money again. You got lucky to make this kind of money in the first place. If you were to leave, what would your friends think? If you were to leave, what would your family think? And if you were to leave, do you really think you're gonna ride this podcast train off into the sunset. And in that moment, Michael, I felt that if I took my life, I would take my problems with me. And that was the rock bottom basement. There's not much further to go from there moment in my life. And I, I'm very blessed because I have wonderful people around me and I always have, and I'm very grateful for that. So I texted my best friend at the time, one of my best friends, and his name's Alan. He's gone on to be my business partner and co-host and co-founder. And I said, Alan, I'm really struggling with, you know, this. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm having these dark thoughts. I don't know if I can do, never mind this job, but this life thing anymore. I don't know what to do. And he said something very profound. He said, 
your awareness has changed so much over the last couple of years, but your environments have stayed the same. I think it's time for you to change your environment. So three or four months later, I left my job and I became a very, very broke entrepreneur, but a fulfilled one who was doing something he loved. And there was a lot of challenging times between when I left my job and where we are today. I mean, I couldn't afford Christmas presents two years in a, uh, two years in a row for my, my now wife. My car broke down. I couldn't get it fixed. I was driving around with uh, no inspection sticker, brakes that didn't work, and a hole in my engine. I was $35,000 in credit card debt. There's definitely been a lot of challenges, a lot of resistance, but that's also created a lot of growth in me. And I would not be the man I am today if I didn't go through those things. So in retrospect, I can be grateful. Uh, in the process, it was definitely a challenge for sure. I would say that's a, you had a lot of life challenges there, especially yeah. to go from that point where you were sitting there lacing up your boots and, and thinking this is not really why I want to do in life. And, mm. you know, there are people that, from my personal life, um, and those in uh, in my old profession that uh, chose a different path, and it was a much yeah. darker path than that. So that's a good thing you you reached out. Most people don't take the opportunity to reach out like you did. Yeah, I have a my thought is always this: the level of the vulnerability in the relationship determines the quality of the relationship. There's many of us who don't mm -hmm. really know how people are doing. When when I say, Michael, how you doing? If I've never met you, you're not going to say, well, you know, I'm struggling with blank, 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 and blank. You'll probably say, yeah, it's pretty good. Right. And I yeah. think that we really have to check in with our relationships because who do you run to when you're struggling? Who do you run to when you want to celebrate? Yeah. If you don't have a list that you can go to, that's so important. Your community is such an important facet of your growth and, and your well being. I agree with that 100%. Uh, it, it is. You know, my journey, my journey is not is not dissimilar from yours in a particular case that I worked and worked and worked. I wasn't working to get rich. I was working to get a promotion. As we talked before we started, I wanted, I was a sergeant, wanted to be a lieutenant, wanted to be a commander, you know, captain, commander, on up the line. And, and it, that was my goal. So whenever they said, can you work? Yes. Can you work? Yes. I had a wife. We had two new children. Same thing. And then it just my perspective on life when my incident took place changed life for me in an instant, just like it did for you. Yeah. Um, not everybody gets the opportunity to do their passion. You know, this podcast is my passion now. Mm -hmm. It is my purpose now. Just like you, you got the opportunity to do that. That's a, that's a positive thing. What You said you had a good network around you. What was your family like? My family, so I love my family and my family is very supportive, but I think there's a difference between uh, support and constructive. So supportive and constructive. My family definitely didn't understand why I left my job, why I left the security of that, why I left the finances of that. And it was definitely interesting in the beginning because my grandmother, she's we call her Mima, that's her name, Mima. She would always say, when are you going to get another job? Like, are you going to start looking for another job? And I remember saying there, I said, I will never punch a time clock for somebody else as long as I live. I'm not meant to do that. I'm not meant to do that. That's just not what I'm supposed to be doing. I know that. I think I've always known it. But now I have the courage to actually pursue it. So, yeah, my I definitely do not come from a, a line of entrepreneurs. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. I never knew my dad uh, growing up. I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know what his name was. I didn't know what he did for a living. 
So I came from a, a very humble beginning. I, we didn't have a lot of money. We were definitely lower middle class. There wasn't necessarily a, a high level of education or a high level of opportunity. So yeah, it's, I think that that part of it, the, the fact that I was raised by women is amazing to me because our community is predominantly women, which I never expected. And then the fact that I grew up with little money, I think it's really helped me appreciate the money I have now. And going through the time in my entrepreneurial journey when I was like, you know, $35,000 in debt, very, very broke, I think that also helped me appreciate what certainty actually means. And again, I, I think that's going to be the theme of this really is you, who you are today is related to who you've been, but it's not who you are exactly. Your pieces of that and positive pieces and potentially negative pieces as well. I agree with that. It's, <clears throat> excuse me, it is, um, I come from, as I said earlier, I come from a dysfunctional family. My mother, um, I lost my father when I was 15 years old. Before mm -hmm. that, they had been divorced for some time. So I, I was raised by a single mother as well. And uh, it gives you a different perspective on life when you see struggle, especially, obviously, I'm not a young guy. Um, so way back then, um, it was difficult for women. And it was difficult for women. And I mean, it still is. But, you know, more so back in the 60s and, and, the, and the 70s, because they, they hadn't even approached the glass ceiling. You know, it was one of those things where a man was always making two, three, four times more than a woman, and they were limited by the jobs that they could work. I remember my mother was only doing specific jobs, and they were very low-paying jobs. You know, it was a struggle. Uh, I think that gives us, a new, like you said, a new perspective on being grateful for what we do have in life and, and where we have come from. I think it gives, um, not to sound like an old guy, but, you know, character. It, it gives us real character. We understand because we've been there before. We understand yeah. when somebody's struggling. We understand when it's difficult. When, well, like you said, you're driving around with a car with a hole in the engine. You know, and it, is this going to stop on me? Am I going to be stuck in the middle of traffic? You know, that happened. That happened. It would if any time I went below ten miles an hour, we were at risk of that bad thing, that bad Larry Stalin, and it stalled. And there were literally, I would get it going as I was rolling down the street. It was, but this is the this is the interesting part. If you're going through that right now, it's not funny, and no. I understand that, right? I understand that, but you have to believe that it will be worth it if you can make it through that. You got to oh, believe that the the future is brighter. That's such a key to humans trying new things is believing it will be worth it. And that's a challenge. I can, it's a challenge when you're sitting in the darkness for sure. Uh, yeah, do you have any brothers, sisters? You may have mentioned it earlier. No, just me, just you. So, I mean, so you, th that even made it more, I think, um, of a struggle because you had your mother to lean on or your grandma to lean on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had brothers and sisters. I have a, an older sister and a younger brother. So, you know, that, was a little more community within us because we all were, we'd all support each other when we were going through tough times. And yeah. I grew up on macaroni and cheese and I hate macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, the quick and simple, cheap way to. Yeah. Uh, my wife comes home, I feel like macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, help yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll order out. We'll get yeah. takeout. Get something else. Thank you very much. Um, so you. At what point you're, uh, I know that you, you started off with entrepreneur, um, and you built, you built another business aside from the podcast, but you kind of built it out of the podcast in conjunction with it. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Yeah. Every business that we have, everything that that pays our bills and allows us to reinvest and, and grow is coming through directly through the podcast, Take which is, the podcast. yeah, it's my favorite thing in the world that it's, it's this, it's this machine that is of value and impact first. Well, you know, if coming from as a, as a brother podcaster, when we started off in the beginning, I mean, it, it, it's when, when may I ask when you started your podcast? I started, time? yeah, April of 2017. So, so, okay, so that basically it wasn't way back when, when they very first started, but no. you were still at a point where we are now. Um, yeah. Competition, well, 2.5 million podcasts. Now, when I first started podcasting, I think there were 850,000, mm. you know, available out there. Now there's 2.5 million out there. Mm. Um, I'm sure that that really had to, you know, make an impact on not only you, but those around you. Uh, I'm sure that your mother and your grandmother were of that age that, again, I've heard it myself. Are you going to go get a job? <laughs> well, I have a job. I'm doing this. Well, that's not a job. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of a thing. Um, it's not a job yet. It's a, no, it's a job. It's just not one that pays yet. It will eventually <laughs> exactly. if I do it right. Yeah, I understand that. Um, and or like my uh, oldest daughter's uh, in the entertainment industry. So her grandfather, um, See, that's not a job. She gets paid for it, but it's still not a job. No, I want you to get a real job. Not not that job. That's just acting. Mm. I want you to have a real job. We we finally got over that. She she was able to get him over that. Um, so when you were sitting, if I can just backtrack just for uh, just for a little bit, um, I know that you said that you almost couldn't, you could not. Uh, basically handle life anymore. So would you consider that suicide ideation? Do you feel that, were you thinking about that quite often? Is that something that entered into your mind? Or did you, when did you recognize that you were depressed and or had anxiety and or you were actually considering suicide? That, so the first time I ever had that thought or the realization was probably two years prior to the hotel room incident my so my girlfriend and i at the time lived in this really nice apartment in boston we had roommates and we had this three story apartment had cameras it was brand new it was so nice just such a nice place and i remember everybody was gone they were all at work and i think i had a couple days off because we were in between jobs so i was just hanging out playing video games just living my best life and i remember we got to like noon or one o'clock in the afternoon. And I remember sitting in front of the TV, putting down the controller for the video game and saying to myself, if this is what life is, I don't want to do it anymore. It just felt gray. It felt bland. It felt hopeless. I felt like I was stuck. I felt like I was stuck in whatever I was doing and I didn't see any way out. And when my girlfriend got home that night, <clears throat> I told her, I said, Hey, can I share something with you? I was having these kind of dark, weird thoughts today when everybody was gone and I explained it to her. And Michael, she said, I suggest you go to therapy. I think that would be very valuable for you to go to therapy. So I think I initially was like, nah, I don't need that. I'm gonna be fine. We got to the point where I said, you know what? That'll probably be a valuable use of my time and something that'll help me understand myself at a deeper level. That's probably worth doing. So I drive, I drive to Boston. I find, I find a therapist, drive to downtown Boston, parallel park on one of the main streets. And then I walk up this spiral staircase in this old brownstone building and creaky steps. And I'm thinking to myself, am I going to cry? What is this person going to ask me? Am I going to look weak? 
And I go in and I cried. I didn't know what the person was going to ask me, but I remember leaving there feeling stronger. I remember saying, you know what? This was something very, very, very good for me. And that's when the, the therapist basically said, like, you definitely have some anxiety you're dealing with. You definitely have depression, uh, depression traits, as well as potential PTSD from your past. And I, I don't know exactly where that came from, but it was, it was very interesting and important for me to understand that side of myself. The problem is I stopped going to therapy, and I think that's why later in life, it just compounded and I kept pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down until ultimately I reached the breaking point of me sitting on the edge of the bed in New Jersey. Well, you know, I think that, and I'll say this out loud, it, it's, I think society, um, we as men mm. and, and boys, uh, society puts this um, persona on us that we're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be weak. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed, you're supposed to be a man supposed to be strong. You're the alpha individual, you know what I mean? That you can't, you can't be depressed. Depression doesn't exist. You know, you can't be angry. You can't be in denial. You, you have to be strong, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. If you cry, you're a wussy. And, and I think they're finding out more and more, at least lately, that it's okay and it's normal for an individual, whether you're a man or a woman, to be able to understand that you can cry and you can have empathy and you can have compassion. I, I find it very interesting that he recognized that you had PTSD and, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. What a lot of individuals do not understand um, is the fact that they coordinate PTSD with military. Mm -hmm. That, you know, you went to combat and you were in the middle of combat and you come home with that and that, that's what PTSD is. And, you know, you can't be in here around fireworks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're finding more and more that post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, can be, is any traumatic incident that has a, an effect on your life that that alleviates you be, to be able to manage that life in a very effective and efficient way. Mm. That's what PTSD is, and you can have it from anything. It can be from your childhood. It can be from sexual, it can be from sexual assault, sexual, sexual molestation. It can be from uh, a dysfunctional family environment. You know, not saying you were one, but just putting it out there for individuals. Yep. If you are in a, I grew up with two alcoholic parents. I, I, I can, I worked through that myself. You had to really stop and think and say, well, I didn't realize that that was traumatic. Well, when you're nine years old and you see your mother and father beating the hell out of each other, and then you have to call them into work and say, hey, they're sick, they can't come to work. That's traumatic and stressful for a nine-year-old. Yeah. And that sticks with you. So I, I think um, it's interesting that he brought that up to you from that perspective. I think that we as male individuals, it's drilled into us that we're not supposed to feel that. We're not supposed to experience that. We're not supposed to be scared. We're not supposed to cry. Mm. But you took that, you know, again, it took a couple, you know, we said a couple more years before you were sitting on the edge of the bed and really had to reflect upon that. Um, did you go back to therapy? Did you go, did you make a choice to go back into that? Or did you, how did you recognize that you actually needed to overcome, let's say your depression, your anxiety? Yeah, it's, you know what the interesting part is, and this is always the, the, the part where I throw the disclaimer <laughs> out of my experiences are not uh, necessarily the run of the mill normal. Um, so I always put that out there. Results may vary. 
when I left my job, my mental health got better. It was this weird thing mm. of when I left my job, I felt a weight lift off my shoulder, but I also felt a different weight go on my shoulder because now I don't have a job. But I think I was actually leaning into fulfillment. I really think that's mm. what has happened for me is my life is harder than it's ever been in terms of the amount of things I'm doing and the amount of pressure and stress. And I'm always all over the place and there's a lot going on. But I also am the most fulfilled I've ever been. And I think my mental health is probably the best it's ever been. So for me, at least, it was when I started leaning into, I think this is my passion. I think this is my purpose. I think this is what I'm meant to be doing. I started to become proud of the man I was becoming. And I was really working on, I know you said this earlier, you said I'm going to sound like an old man, but character. I love that word. I think that's such a that's such an important thing. I worked on myself to such a deep level that I think I was probably doing a lot of stuff that I would have been doing in therapy anyway. Having the conversations about my childhood and why, uh, what am I afraid of and what's this excuse and what's this insecurity? How am I, what's my protector? Is it ego? Is it fear? I think I, I'm just very, very prone to having deep conversations because that's what the business is built on. So I think that's actually helped me a lot. Yeah, I think I, I'll be honest with you. My conversations have helped me immensely more mm -hmm. so than therapy because when I first went to, I tried therapy. I want to be honest, when I'm sitting in a wheelchair and I knew my career was gone. I, I saw my colleagues going up. The people that worked underneath me were now becoming assistant chiefs and chiefs. Mm. And, and I was depressed. I was angry. I was resentful. I was in denial. I, I mean, there, I went through all of this. And um, it took me a long time to recognize that I was depressed, but it's okay to be depressed. Yeah. You can be depressed. Where, where the positive come is when you recognize that and you you come out of that. You take the step out of the depression door, you know, to kind of say, okay, it's okay to be depressed for a little bit, but now I need to, I need to pull my boots on and, um, you know, take some positive steps in the right direction. Um, it, I think that I, I kind of, I'm, I'm going to say I can relate to what you were saying in regard to, I was able to find my purpose again. That's the reason I do this podcast. That's the reason I'm here. Mm -hmm. My passion is still helping people, but in a different way than I was doing as a cop. So it fulfills me. My blood pressure is down. My heart rate is down. My diet is better. I sleep better. It it changes your life immensely when you take the opportunity to to really recognize. You know, my wife, unfortunately, she loves her job. Okay, she really does, but the hour and 20 minute drive to work in the middle of chaotic Phoenix traffic mm -hmm. and the hour and 20 to 30 minute drive home with the same really pissed off people that just spent a day in a cubicle and, you know, they, they're miserable with their lives and they're taking it out on, everybody thinks that you're invincible in that two ton thing you're sitting in, Yeah, you know, kind of a deal. It, it's, it takes you, you should reflect upon whether or not you're, you can, you can work. Everybody can work. You can just go to a job, like you said, punch a time clock and you can say, I'm going to punch a time clock, do my work, go, go home. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. That way I get a paycheck, that way I can pay the bills, I can pay the rent, I can do this, I can do that, I can take my wife out to dinner 
or you can find something that really fulfills you, something that you feel deep down in your soul, something that makes you feel good and get up every morning and walk in like this. I get up, I look forward to coming in here, putting this microphone in front of my face and, you know, waiting for the phone to ring, basically. And, and I just pointed the phone. You, they can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, and have conversations because now I feel a part of society again from that perspective. I'm not getting rich at it mm. at all, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. It's one of those things. And I think if anybody that's going through the same thing, if anybody has that hesitation, everybody has that, that, um, that defining moment in their life where they kind of look back and say, I, like you just said, I, I think I'm depressed because of my job. Mm -hmm. What do you recommend to them that they do? It's so hard because it's a lot of it is contextual, right? Not everybody's going to be, have the opportunity to just leave their job and go all in on their goals. If they have a family and all that, I would start asking a couple questions. I would say, if you were to break things up into health, wealth, and love, how would you rate each of those where you are in your life right now? So for me, I might've said, uh, yeah, wealth is like a nine. My health, I mean, I'm eating fast food every single night. I'm living in hotels, I'm not sleeping. My health's probably like a five. And then what is my love? I don't have any resemblance of a relationship. My love is probably like a three. I have really good friends, but I don't have an intimate partner. That would force me to, to at least take a look in the mirror and say, well, what's a couple things that I can do to start changing that? I think we have to figure out what do you value as a human being? Because here's the thing, maybe you value certainty more than somebody else. So you being at a job is better for you. Okay, cool. What fulfills you on the side then? What is something that when you're in the process of doing, you lose track of time and you don't care about anything else. All right, how do we get you to be able to do more of that? I think it's one of those things, Michael, where a lot of us are saying, okay, what I'm doing isn't working. I got to go back to square one. When oftentimes I think you could start adding things in. So if being out in nature is fulfilling for you, all right, cool. Stick with your job for now and let's make sure you're getting out to nature once a week. And maybe we can get that up to twice a week. And then maybe we can work on, okay, well, why is nature so fulfilling? Okay, well, when I was young, my, my parents used to take me out and we used to go camping. And I remember that just reminds me of my family and I feel like I'm connected to something. All right, cool. Maybe that's connected to your purpose. And then ultimately we can turn that into a vehicle down the road. I think one of the things that we need to understand is for many of us, and it might be the same for you, when you're going through the struggle, that might actually be when you're creating your purpose, when you're creating your passion, when you're actually understanding what your mission might be. I'm convinced that many of us are out here looking for our purpose. When our purpose most likely has already happened to us, we just haven't found the vehicle yet. The purpose, the passion, the mission, that is what you want to deliver to the world. The vehicle is how you plan on delivering it. And I don't know if I didn't go through that rock bottom moment, if I didn't find success, there's no way I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing today. There's no way because I wouldn't have as much of a purpose. I wouldn't have as much of a passion. One of our mentors, Evan Carmichael says, your purpose comes from your deepest pain. And I really, really believe that so many of us reflect on our pain and we say, oh, I never want to feel that again. That's, oh, that was terrible. I don't want that to happen. 
when I think other people say, I don't ever want that to happen to somebody else, or I don't ever want somebody else to feel that pain. So I would say that I would say first, let's check in with what actually what we're actually doing for health. What are we actually doing for wealth? What are we actually doing for love? How does that all feel? Where are we? Where would we rate ourselves on that? The second thing is, when were you the most fulfilled? And what were some of the common things? Like, let's try to figure out what that was and, and bring some of that into your life. And then I would start asking yourself why and looking back into the past. If you can connect some dots and create some patterns from your past, I think you can really have a good outlook and opportunity to create a new, different, brighter future. That's brilliant, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I know that you took, uh, which I appreciate because that I'm more of a holistic and naturopathic individual. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, before we started, you know, I had some medications they put me on that about killed me. And, you know, it's, um, I am completely naturopathic and, and holistic now in regard to my disease and, and kind of managing that and managing my lifestyle, including my mental health. Um, at what point did you jump into the naturopathic or holistic approach? Yeah, it's interesting. Even from the very beginning, my the therapist I went to or counselor said, "Do you are you interested in medication?" And I was like, "No, I'm I I want to figure this out on my own. I don't want to have to rely on something. I have nothing against that. If you're doing that and that works for you, good, do that. That's awesome. For me, that just wasn't it. So my version, I think my version of holistic is probably different than many. I break holistic into health, wealth, life, and love. I want to be a well-rounded human being, but I I also think of holistic from the standpoint of I could tell Michael what to do. Do these five things and your life will improve. But if I don't get to the root of who Michael is as a human being, every piece of advice I give is not going to be that valuable. So when I talk about holistic, I mean well-rounded and full depth. I want to help you change your identity so every piece of advice, every tactic I give you comes with the deeper understanding of what do I do with this now based on my understanding of myself. So that's what I think of when it happened is when I, when I had all the money and I had nothing else, that was really, that was really what it is for me. That, you know, that's a, I, I think I'm trying to process this quite because I think it really um, shows an impactful opportunity that we all yearn for family. We all yearn for love. And if we're missing it in our life, I think that that's a, it's a void that creates more depression, anxiety, health issues, and everything else because you feel sorry for yourself. You eat bad, you know, uh, on and on and on. Um, I I like that approach to that well-rounded three-point perspective on naturopathic or holistic. I, I think it really is a good basis and a foundation for building upon that in order to approach your um, everything. Like you said, you got to figure out what's deep inside you, you got to really kind of analyze yourself um, in order to decide where I want to be, what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, take the time to listen, take the time to listen to yourself, take the time to um, really, I, I don't want to say evaluate the, your, your whole situation, because obviously, sometimes that may take the person over the edge and go, well, I'm, I don't have love, or I, I don't have the health, right? You know, because at any point in our lifetime, we can have all three, or we can lose one temporarily. And it's up to us to make the choice. I had a great, I had love, I had uh, wealth. Well, I wasn't rich, but 
I made good money as a sergeant, you know, um, and I had my health. And then all of a sudden there, I lost my health. And when I lost my health, I lost my wealth. And then when I lost my wealth, my mental aspect decreased dramatically. So it was yeah. difficult to pull out of that little pit of despair because I lost my love. Not my, the only thing I didn't lose my love, I, I should say. I lost my health. I lost my wealth, but I still had love. So that's what pulled me out of mine. Like when my, and the, I don't want to, I don't want to tear up. When my oldest daughter looked at me square in the eye and said, "I want you to walk me down the aisle." And the emphasis was walk me down the aisle. Not just, hey, dad, walk me down the aisle. It was, I want you to walk me down the aisle. It was a wake-up call to me that I needed to reevaluate where I was in that particular moment and say, quit feeling sorry for myself from my perspective. I'm not telling anybody else out there to do the same thing. And, and look around and say, well, I've got love. Here it is. It's in front of me. It's talking to me. Okay, I need to figure out how to get my health better. When I got my health better, the wealth came back around. So it all connected. Yeah. So it's brilliant. I love that. I can't wait to share that with my wife. Yeah, please, please. It's the other thing too that you had there is necessity. Human beings require necessity. Very few people are willing to go through pain if there's not a promise for a brighter future. Or at least yeah. you're you're not willing to go through discomfort if there isn't a big enough reason. And I always I use this when I give speeches. If I went up to Michael and said, um, "There's a ten dollar bill inside of that burning building. If you want to go get it, it's yours." You're most likely going to say, "No, nah, ain't worth ten dollars." But if I said your family's in there, you're going in because the why Absolutely. power is right. The why power is greater. So understand that one of the the missing links when it comes to goal setting for many people is why are you actually doing it in the first place? Like what is the actual right. point of this and what will move you? What will inspire you to actually show up? That's why the purpose and the mission and the passion is such an important piece. It has to be bigger than you oftentimes. And if it's not, then let's figure out how to double down on that. Well, I, I love the fact that you took what you had been through, took your experiences, took everything about you and what you learned, and then you've mm -hmm. applied it in such a manner that you created a business through your podcast that takes people to that next level. It gives them opportunity to recognize this. It gives them opportunity to um, uh, improve themselves. It gives them opportunity to understand the tools that they need in order to take those steps to improve themselves. I think that there's a lot of places out there where you can improve. I mean, there's, you know, there's no lack of how to make more money, of how to lose weight, of how to have a better relationship. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, one of them actually degrades from something else. It's like, if you want to make more money, you got to work 17 hours a day. Okay, well, that's not sustainable for my health and my love. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, if you want a relationship, you got to do blah, blah, blah. My goal is to help people understand that if you want the most fulfilling life, you have to have all three. You, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Or you should be working towards progressing in all three because life can be empty if you just have one. And here's the other thing that I've seen, Michael. I know a lot of people who are quote-unquote successful by all standards of humans that are not happy. They're right. not fulfilled. They are not excited when they're by themselves. And not everybody gets that unique perspective. So 
I have a belief that if there are other people who went through what I went through, they might not be here today. And I want to make sure that I share that with the world because that's my unique experience. And maybe somebody else out there is experiencing their own unique version of that. You and I, Michael, are very similar in many ways, but we didn't have the exact same experience, but we do resonate with the message. That really is the thing. And we talked about this in the beginning. One of the best parts about being on a podcast, being a podcast or listening to a podcast is you get perspective. I might not teach anybody anything on this episode. They might hear me say something about my story and that might give them some sort of unique perspective that allows them to take a new decision or have a new, uh, make a new decision or have a new awareness or whatever it may be. So yeah, I, I think it's my responsibility at this point. I don't think I always felt that way, but I do feel that it's my responsibility and I do think it's something that I am, I don't want to say genetically uh, meant to do, but I think I am meant to do this. And I do think that's the reason I'm willing to put up with all of the stuff I was in the beginning to get here because I knew this is what I'm supposed to be doing, even if it's hard, especially if it's hard. Uh, this is when I'm the happiest. This is when I'm the most fulfilled when I'm doing this. Well, it connects with your soul. And when you have your mind, your body, and your soul connected, yeah. it makes life much more enjoyable all the way it around. Does. Um, how do you think confidence and fear play into managing mental health? Oh, man. One of the, okay, I always think of it like this. Confidence, when we say, I'm not confident, we're actually boxing ourselves into something that stops us from experiencing the steps necessary to build confidence. Mm -hmm. So I think about it this way. Say you're somebody who is anxious or you're dealing with your own mental health struggles. If you automatically say, I'm not confident, therefore I could never do blank, 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 and blank, you're not going to build self-trust with yourself, which is super helpful for you understanding you're making progress. Mm -hmm. You're not going to keep the small promises that you're making to yourself. And you're going to quite literally limit yourself from having all of the best experiences of your life. The story I always use for this, um, we had a, a listener reach out to me and she said, hey, I'm, I'm afraid to start conversations with strangers. And I said, same, I think everybody is. I think that's pretty normal, all things considered. She said, well, I want to get over it. I said, all right, cool. So she was local. She lived close to me. I said, let's meet at the mall and we'll, grow, we'll go approach people. And I didn't want to do this either, Michael, but I realized, well, this is my purpose. This is mm -hmm. what I have to do. Necessity. So we meet at the mall. We hug it out. We get a coffee and we go into the store where they sell bean bags, big bean bag chairs. And I said, ask them how much it costs. And she's like, I don't know what to say. How's it going to go? I said, trust me, it's their job to try to sell you the bean bag. You're going to have a great conversation. It's going to be totally fine. We go into another store after that. We go into another store after that. We go to the food court. We're asking about the food. We get to the end of the day. We're getting ready to leave. And for some reason, there's these mechanical zoo animals that you can rent and ride around the mall. Weird business model, but they were really cool. So the young lady I was with, Amy, said, if we were brave, if we were confident, we'd rent those and ride those around the mall. And I have this video I show at my speech of, or my speeches of us riding around the mall. That's funny. It, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Since then, and really think about this. So somebody who said, I, I can't have conversations with strangers. After that, she got a new level of confidence because she did something that she did not believe was possible mm -hmm. for her yet. She ended up going back to school, even though she didn't feel smart enough. She got a 3.8 or 3.9 GPA. Whoa. Went on to get her dream job. Now works on the team with us and went from not being able to have conversations with strangers to doing Facebook Lives and being on episodes that have thousands and thousands of downloads. Whoa. That level of showing 
so you, the, the original question was how does confidence connect with mental health? <laughs> your confidence, if you don't believe you're confident, you're limiting yourself from trying so many things that will help your mental health. You're boxing yourself in and saying, since I don't feel this way, I can't do this. And you're stopping yourself from some of the brightest opportunities that you could ever have. Start small, start very, very small. If you are struggling with confidence, you shouldn't climb a mountain. You should, you should step on top, uh, step on top of a rock that's bigger than the one beside it. That's what you do. That's how you level up your confidence, small, incremental, sustainable shifts. And I think it gives you what we said earlier. It gives you a new perspective. Oh, so much more is possible for me than I realized. And that right there is something that will help you believe in a brighter future. That's a brilliant way of taking somebody in there to get them to talk like that and engage um, the individuals within the mall. What a, what a I was simple... terrified, Michael. I was like, maybe I'll catch a flat tire on the way. Maybe my car won't start. I won't have to do this. But one of the best things I ever did. I'm very, I'm very grateful That's I great. did, even though I and was scared too. And, and I say simplistic because you never would think just go talk to a salesman because mm -hmm. they're going to talk back to you no matter what because they want to sell something. What yep. a brilliant way to approach that. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you think that uh, we all have beliefs that limit us in in where we want to achieve what we want to achieve? Yeah, I so if you asked me that a couple of years ago, I would say yes, I think some people do. I think many people have limiting beliefs holding them back from being, you know, that's stopping them from thinking they can be confident or successful or be good with money. I thought it only went one way. I thought that limiting beliefs were usually lack. Now I realize after talking to so many people that there's actually limiting beliefs that are stopping people from being successful. Some people have a limiting belief that if I become successful, I will lose all my friends, my family, I will be found out. So yeah, I think everybody has limiting beliefs to some degree. Some of them are, I'm not smart enough, I'm not fast enough, I'm not pretty enough, I could never do that. Uh, others are, if I do become successful, I'll lose all my friends. If I do become successful, I won't be able to have this. I won't be able to have that. And I think many, many of our limiting beliefs, and I'll say the variety or the recipe of them is mostly from the past. You've got to check in with what, what is the thing that potentially caused this? So for me, my, my biggest limiting belief was always I'm not smart enough. And my insecurity around that was I'll be left behind. I'll be left behind. Is it any coincidence that I felt abandoned by the fact that I didn't have a father? No, I think that's probably where that limiting belief came in. I never did really well in school. Another one of my limiting beliefs was I could never have a successful business. Why is that? I look, you look at the most relevant proof. And that's another reason why you have to focus on expanding your comfort zone. Because then when you look at the most recent and relevant proof, so in that example, the next time Amy had that limiting belief of I cannot start conversations with strangers, if she looks at the most recent, we went to the mall two weeks ago, relevant, well, that's me doing that proof, it'll actually build her ability to believe she can do it. It'll knock down that limiting belief. So yeah, I think everybody has them. It's just a matter of what is the variety, what is the flavor, and how is that manifesting the results in your life? And that's exactly why you uh, co-host a top 100 self-improvement podcast with, <laughs> with more than 1,000 episodes and 600,000 lessons in over 125 countries. Thank you, my friend. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you know, it. I think that the, the 
aspect of mental health, I think we really don't take the time to ask ourselves whether or not we are having struggles with our mental health. Um, you know, I, I have found it to be prevalent in a lot of different areas, not only in a personal life, but cops, firemen, doctors, nurses, you know, um, EMS. I, I'm more familiar with that environment. And I can tell you that there are a lot more cases of depression, anxiety, self-doubt, um, fear, and all of that, because you, you have uh, uh, situations that come up that am I going to, is this going to be fine? Am I going to work through this? Am I going to succeed in this? Am I going to get somebody hurt? Am I going to save somebody's life? Am I not? Am I going to run into the building, even though there's not $10 in there? <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. It's, it is, um, it's a daily struggle, I think, with some people that they have to decide whether or not they want to move forward from that depression or that anxiety. And that having the tools available to them, like what you provide, is a very good thing because they just have to reach out. They just have to reach out and ask. I mean, your yeah. podcast, you don't charge anything for your podcast, right? No, no. We do an episode every day, seven yeah. days a week, in your pocket for free anywhere in the world. But th I think the other thing, too, is sometimes you got to go ask for help. Exactly. And maybe that's maybe that's professional help. There's nothing wrong with that. What what helped me, Michael, is I shifted from asking for help and really think about this. Asking for help, so this is what you'll hear. Asking for help is weak. When by defin definition, asking for help is difficult, which means if you are <laughs> capable of doing it, you're strong. That's what shifted for me is is somebody going to reach out to me and say, "Hey man, you're really soft for asking for help." No, and maybe, maybe somebody will. It hasn't happened yet. And if it does, that person has their own thing going on. That ain't on me. That's on that's on whatever they're dealing with. If something by definition requires courage to do and you do it, you're actually strong, I would say, not weak. And I, that really helped me understand by switching around the syntax of it. It's a nice perspective, a nice perspective to uh, to show to people and to put that out there. Because I, there are a lot of situations where you see a, a I told you we did domestic violence. Um, a lot of situations where you see the home environment does not create that mm. for them. It doesn't create the opportunity for them to understand that. Uh, I have been in too many situations where if you cry, you're weak. If you mm. ask for help, you're weak. If you, you know, you get a bruise and you're, you, you want to go hide in your bedroom, you're weak. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Being able to to realize that you have more strength and courage than what you thought, I think is a very, it's a, it's a, it's a motivation. It's an inspiration. If you look deep with inside yourself and say, Hey, I am strong. What we're doing with conversations like this is we're breaking the pattern. <laughs> That's what it is. We're breaking the pattern of, well, if I decide to have children, the way I talk to my children, my children will be different. And again, I was never really talked to that, you know, being right. feeling is weak, but I'll make sure that they understand. I want you to feel your feelings. I want you to come with me. I want you to express yourself. Hopefully, if they have kids down the line, then they pass that on. Pass on. I just, right. I think we're, we're in between a generational gap where it hasn't been, I won't say mainstream, but it hasn't been brought to the attention to enough people for a long enough period of time for the wave to actually carry on. But through conversations yeah. like this, you can lead 
more effectively. You can lead and and give advice and give support and give expectations based on this, which these these are very important conversations to be having. Well, and I agree with you. You know, we are the product of our parents and our grandparents. Yeah. You know, we we can make a choice to either um, continue with the the generational. When I say this, it and make sure I said this correctly. There is such a thing as intergenerational trauma mm -hmm. that is carried down from generations. And if you don't break that cycle, then you are bound to continue that intergenerational trauma as it goes down the line, including passing it on to your own children. Yep. If you make the concerted effort to break that pattern and to say, like you just said, I am not going to raise my kids the same way. I'm going to have an open communication with them. I'm going to dis have discussions with them. My kids can talk to me about anything. They have understood and learned that communication is the key. They can be angry. We can get into a middle of, especially when they were younger, we can get into a fight, into a scream, not a put this fight, let me put that out there. <laughs> but, you know, a parent and teenagers or preteens, you get into arguments and you get into sometimes some really Thor slamming, screaming arguments. Um, but it's a situation, I said, you always, you can get angry. Get angry. Cool off and come back out and let's talk about it. Mm. Which is what my parents never did. See, it, it's a matter, like you said earlier, it's a matter of breaking the pattern. Yep. And, and making sure that what you provide to your children and that next generation or those around you, it could be a relationship. You know, my oldest daughter, probably shouldn't put that in the air, I'll cut that part out. We have family members that are married to somebody that grew up in a very controlling, strict environment. And that controlling, strict environment was not allowing that person to process any time there was a disagreement in the relationship. And one person in that relationship put a stop to that. They said, same thing, get angry, say what you want to say, scream, holler, slam doors, whatever you want to do, as long as there's no physical violence. And then when you're done, come out and talk. Mm -hmm. And talk freely and openly and honestly. And it changed that other person's life to such an impact that it had, an, unfortunately, had a negative effect on that person's parents because mm -hmm. they were still trying to put the the big, the lead foot down, basically. And, and they re, they couldn't any longer. It, 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 they changed and it made things positive all the way around. So just a slight example. Yeah, it's living in the truth. I mean, that's really what it is, is let's let's just talk about what is what what is real should be real. And I yeah. think at the end of the day, too, what basically what we're saying is it's your responsibility to not pass on the traumas that you've experienced. Yeah. We're not playing tag. You just put a stop to what you experience so somebody else doesn't have to experience. Now, does that mean you won't mess up? No, of course you're going to mess up. I think everybody messes up everything. That's just par for the course. We're human. And that's what we've been saying this whole time. It's, that's part of being human. Well, part of being human, are you obviously, what's it like creating an empire like you have? <laughs> I got to ask you that. What, I mean, that, that's got to be self-satisfying because, I mean, you can look, for those that are listening to this podcast, you need to come watch the video because you can see it in your face. You're relaxed, you enjoy what you're doing. I know you had conversations before me, so your voice is tired. Mm. And, you know, I've been there. I, I had conversations with other people before this one. But you exude an aura around you 
that's a positive. You can see it in your eyes, you can see it in your face. You can see that you really, really enjoy what you're doing. Mm. What's it What's it feel like when you have reached this pinnacle? Uh, transparently, I, I don't know. Some days it's the best in the world and other days I feel like I've accomplished nothing depending on what's going on. I, I think it's, the. I'll say this, the only reason we are where we are today is because we wanna be way past this in 10 years. And that's the interesting, yeah. it's, we, I call it uh, grateful ambition. I'm grateful for what I have. I'm so grateful that we have 1100 episodes and, and all that happy jazz. I am ambitious for what I don't have yet. And that's just, that's what keeps me going. So it feels really good. I'm really proud of how we do business. That's the thing that I'm most proud of is we are real human beings trying to have a real impact and behind the scenes, I'm as close to the, this version as I think you can get. And I've worked really hard on that and I'm always right. working hard on that. So that's something I'm unreasonably happy about, but I'm happy or I'm, I'm ambitious to make sure that I keep doing this for the next however many years and have the real impact I want. So I'm very proud, I'm very grateful. And I'll also say this, I have a level of certainty in my life that I never expected to have. That's mm -hmm. probably the biggest benefit of doing what I'm doing now is I actually have certainty of if we keep doing this for the next year, five, 10, I'm going to have a very, very wonderful life filled with impact, filled with mastery and filled with profitability. And that's, that's awesome. I'm very happy. About you that. change other people's lives. Yes. Um, with regard to that, I know you have several aspects of your your business. I know you're an entrepreneur, uh, uh, first and foremost, that's where you, you started. But you've got two podcasts, correct? And the <laughs> yes. university. So can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, I we so we have next level university, which is heart driven, but no BS holistic self improvement for dream chasers. Boom, there it is. If you're watching this live, or watching the, the video. And then I also started another podcast about podcasts, I figured, okay, I've done 1100 or 1000 episodes when I started it, let me do a podcast about podcasts, because I'm on them so often. And I love it. My passion, uh, besides holistic self improvement is definitely podcasting. So that's where I always send people. We have a bunch of different things in our business. We have one on one coaching and group coaching and retreats and live events. But if you're listening to this, and I say this all the time, the best thing for you to do if you do want to find out more information about us is just listen to Next Level University seven days a week for free in your pocket from anywhere on the planet. That's our mission. That's our purpose. And not everybody is at a place where they can afford a coach or they can afford a course or they can afford a retreat. But if you have 20 minutes, you can check on an episode and hopefully we will have some layer of awareness that breaks loose for you. And you'll say, oh, you know what? I never thought of it that way. So I always send people there, Michael, because I think that's the biggest bang for your buck. It's in your pocket every day for free from anywhere. And that's our brand. Yeah, that's amazing. I think giving people opportunity that they do have uh, possibly a, a hand right stretched out, you know, that they can Always. take that and, and move it forward. Um, I know that you do, you have a Facebook group as well, right? That does a Q&A? Yeah, so we have a Facebook group called Next Level Nation, and we made our Facebook group private for one simple reason, because not everybody feels like they can be themselves on social media, especially around certain friends or family members. Our next level nation is always private. So you can actually be yourself and it's inclusive. It's supportive. There is no negativity allowed. People get booted for that. So yeah, if you want a, a community of like-minded growth minded individuals, next level nation is our Facebook group. That's amazing. Thank Your you. podcast is heard on 
every like your favorite listening platform. What do you say your favorite listening platform? I'm assuming yeah. you're on every one of them. Yeah, and YouTube. Where if you search Next Level University, our website will probably come up and then there's a bunch of stuff there. You'll if you want to listen to us, there's definitely a way to do it. Okay, and I'll make sure um, I'll make sure that those are in the show notes Thank as well. So I know you. that people watching this, they can screenshot or write it down. But those individuals that are listening, I'll uh, make sure that it's in the show notes to make it easy for them just to mm -hmm. click on it and find you. And thank I think you. you're providing such a wonderful thing for people. I um, appreciate it. I want to thank you, obviously, for, for coming on board. I, it's been a pleasure to meet you and to kind of have this discussion. I think that uh, you're a brilliant individual. And thank you for sticking with it and deciding to become an entrepreneur because you've created an empire that, uh, an empire of positivity, we'll call it that. I appreciate the kind words uh, coming from somebody with as much wisdom as you, Michael, that, that means more than you know. And uh, I'm grateful for this awesome conversation. I just appreciate you. I Thank you. Uh, this is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom? I would say the biggest difference between who you are today and who you want to be eventually is your habits. Make sure you're pouring into the positive cups in your life when it comes to health, when it comes to wealth. And when it comes to love, it may not pay off for a year, five, ten, uh, five years or 10 years, but it will pay off eventually. And you will be grateful you did. Those are brilliant words of wisdom. Brilliant words of wisdom. Kevin, thank you very much for spending the time with me today. I really appreciate you and what you do. Thank and you. I look forward to having another conversation down the road. I love that. I love that. I appreciate you. And I'm very grateful for your time as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.